My name's Sam Towns. I'm Alex Norton. And I am Zane Birch. Yeah, we got another wonderful guest on the show today. Uh, but before we get into that, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. This week's Forgecast comes to you thanks to Robert Weber Abrasives, where Aussie bladesmiths can get all of the best abrasives available. Get in touch today at abrasives.on.net. Yeah, so uh, what have you been up to, Alex? Oh, man, um, I finished that Damascus paring knife that I was talking about last episode, or a couple mm. episodes, actually. It came out really nice, actually. Um, I was Yeah, I really liked wondering. the colors that you got in there. Yeah, polished Delrin um, is just a delight, really. Um, and the doing the that sort of stripy uh, guard, layering G10 and brass is the first time I've ever done that. Um, and I'd, I'd actually got inspired by uh, Stuart Smith, actually. He does that a lot with his knives. And um, yeah. after seeing all of the gorgeousness that he's been putting out lately, I thought I'd give it a go. Um, came out great. Used some of that um, fiberglass resin that you sent me uh, for the core of it with the green streaks through it. And uh, nice. the brass and the green and the gloss black against that dark Damascus, the low-layer, extremely low-layer Damascus, was um, it just made for – it's such a small knife, I want it to be a low-layer <laughs> yeah um, it came no, out it really great. good yeah i've been um also working on the pieces for a fairly ornate bird bath that somebody wanted all forged steel bird bath um although the bowl is going to be ceramic um but having to repeat things to to get consistency has been fun um oh, man, but dude. he wanted it done what's that you've been killing it on the uh, consistency front yeah, yeah. Well, I'm hoping to get that finished uh, early next week, so you'll actually be able to see finished photos of it. Um, but it, he wanted it all done traditionally, so it's um, all done in the coal forge, hand blown, um, you know, hand hammered and everything, and it's looking looking pretty nice. So forge welding all those parts together is going to be the tricky part because <laughs> uh, it is it is quite ornate. Um, uh, in less. Uh, same sort of fabrication realm, but less technical. Um, I'm doing a sidestep bracket for a somebody's ute, <laughs> which they <laughs> right. came to me and they're like, oh, could you forge this? You're a blacksmith. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's a weird shape. Um, pretty, uh, pretty boring project, but interesting from a fabrication sort of perspective. Um, and I got my... Um, my most recent student, that um, veteran who's uh, wanting to learn to make knives, um, yeah. after Miyagiing him for the last three lessons, um, I finally go to forge his first knife um, on Thursday, and he made it out of an old file. Um, it did get a warp in it, uh, only due to the uh, inconsistency of the forged bevels, uh, yeah. I believe. Uh, everything else he did right is just uh it was the first time he'd forged bevels in and there were some errant hammer blows and he didn't quite tilt consistently and um that led to some a little bit of bananaing but um it did harden up properly uh he actually did a forge temper uh, on it mm -hmm. and it passed the baton test so he was happy with it 
Um, yeah. But he was, he was quite proud. He, he'll be back next week to do um, another knife forging class now that he's actually gone through and after three full days of work of not forging knives, he was finally, I was able to say like, you know, forge in a step here, draw this out, forge taper. And he just knew what to do. Yeah. He's like, oh, you, you miyagi'd me. And I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> wax on, wax off. Yeah. And I finally got my uh, latest video out about the um, incredibly and unexpectedly complicated world of wind chimes. Um, yeah. Yeah, Which was a surprisingly it, interesting view. Like, you, when you hear that, it sounds like it could be boring, but I watched the whole thing and I was actually learning quite a bit. It was actually a lot more entertaining than it sounds. If you read the comments of the few people that did actually watch it, because I can understand, you, you hear the title <laughs> and you're like, what in the hell is this guy doing? Uh, but the people who did watch the video all agree with you. They're, they all said... I had no idea that that was actually a complex thing. I just thought it was kitsch that you bought at a dollar store. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> yeah, no, was crazy. Yeah. I was, I, like, I, I already knew that you knew a lot about wind chimes because, of course, we're friends and we talk about that kind of thing. But it was really interesting to see it packaged that way, and just like well, the fact that I was, I went into it going, "I'm going to watch the whole thing anyway because you're my friend." Uh, and I watch everything that you put up, whether or not I like it. But then I was like, I was watching it, and I'm like, I actually am enjoying this. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm learning stuff. This is great. Well, as as we've talked about in the show a lot, there are certain um, items that we walk past every day that are actually phenomenally complex, but we just use them like chairs or scissors or things like that that actually have huge amounts that go into them, and people don't. You know, lay people just walk past them or use them and don't realize just how complicated they are. And wind chimes is probably one of the most complex of those things. And the yeah, thing is, the only reason that people don't realize that is that they've never heard a real wind chime. Yeah. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can safely it's, say that I hadn't. It's like if you never have eaten real chocolate. You can't have it <laughs> described to you what real chocolate is like. If mm -hmm. you've only ever eaten, you know dairy milk from Cadbury's that you bought at the grocery <laughs> store. You can't know the experience. It's sort of like if you've never had a 20-year-old scotch whiskey and you've only ever been drinking, you know, corner shop piss for your entire life, <laughs> you can't know that they're different things. Yeah. But, but yeah, the video totally fell flat, but I'm glad I got it out there. <laughs> well, maybe it'll it, get picked up by the algorithm. It'll get yeah, maybe. picked up by the algorithm in a year or so. <laughs> who, who knows? At least at least one person is going to be making a nice set of wind chimes out of it, and that's all that matters. Oh, man, so. I mean, I, I'm tempted to make a set myself. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Dive in. You'll get hooked. Um, so my song of the week is uh, from an indie band called The Happy Fits, and it's a song called Dirty Imbecile. Right. Which so yeah, it, very it, much autobiograph this, autobiographical for you then. It's all it's all about me, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually uh, I I do actually relate to the song quite a bit, funnily enough. Um, but it's it's about self deprecation. Yep. Um, rather than anything else, but it's it's got a chorus that will get stuck in your head massively. They're they're a very interesting band. I have no idea what to actually classify their music, um, but. Uh, most of their lineup is great, but Dirty Imbecile is the the one that uh, that hooked me on them. So definitely worth looking up. So how about you, Sam? What's your week entailed? 
Um, you know, it's, it's funny because every time I get asked that question at the beginning of the show, I struggle to remember what I've talked about in the previous episode. <laughs> so I'm, I'm worried that I'm repeating myself and I know that I have on a couple of occasions. Um, but recently I finished a pair of wrought iron bodied 1084 faced, uh, chasing hammers or Japanese engraving hammers technically. Um, I've only finished one of them completely. Uh, the other one is sitting in my new engraver's pitch bowl, um, mm. with some engraving being done on it, which, uh, I'm showing to my patrons at the moment because I'm not confident enough in my engraving skill to show, show what I'm doing. <laughs> did, did you just say that you're engraving a graver? Uh, well, no, I'm engraving a graver hammer. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought you were engraving gra the gravers. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm definitely not exhibit. I'm not, you know, like, you know, hey, bro, I heard you like gravers. <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> but no, so uh, I'm working on those. Those are kind of a personal passion project for myself. I made a third hammer, which is currently winging its way to Tasmania, along with another hammer. So there were two hammers in that package. Um, Hopefully, by the time this episode airs, it will already be there. <laughs> I hope so. If the pandemic yes. hasn't eaten it. You're welcome, Adam. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, that was that took up a lot of my week uh, working on those. I've also been working on this commission that I'm working on, the Damascus Karambit, which I'm currently filming for my YouTube uh, channel, which is taking up a lot of my time. I'm currently at 800 grit on uh, the profile an 800 grit on the flats and I've just got to do the flats of the blade and then I've got to do the bevels, but I'm, I can't do the bevels until I get my small wheel attachment in the mail. So I'm waiting for that mm -hmm. to come in. Um, so um, that's kind of a Not slow process. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that to come in and then I've got to make a bunch more hammers and stuff like that in the coming week. Unfortunately, this morning on my live stream, I managed to, come close to breaking my thumb on my left hand um, <laughs> yeah. by, by understriking. Yeah. I was using a, a six pound sledge uh, single handed, but I was, I, it was the long handled sledge and I had quite a bit of the handle sticking out the bottom. And so I, when I went to do a full swing, the bottom of the handle caught the top of my hand <laughs> before the head could follow through. And uh, yeah, it hit me hard enough that I had to stop the stream because uh, I thought my thumb may have been fractured. But uh, fortunately, I still have full mobility in it. There is a bit of swelling and bruising and stuff, and I'm probably it's probably going to hurt like a uh, son of a bitch tomorrow. But uh, luckily, I am still in the game. Could have been worse. Uh, you could have Alex steeled yourself. <laughs> That's it. That that will forever go down. <laughs> History is like the the ultimate fail moment. Oh, for the a poor guy. guy. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't think he's too salty about it, given where he is now. But <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, funnily enough, talking about that, I um I watch uh watch people dying inside compilations on on uh, YouTube occasionally just for fun. And I for a and bit of I had to laugh my ass off because uh there was one of the clips from uh Alec uh, Will's uh, series recently on building that uh, Damascus pizza cutter where he was trying to forge over the guard, Quillen, <laughs> on the bronze, and he goes, oh, this is going really well, and then he hits it with the hammer and it just snaps the Quillen off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I felt so sorry for him at that time, but at the same Should've time... Should have showed him breaking like, the sword breaker. Oh, man, that still gives me chills. 
<laughs> Especially after all the time he spent die filing that. Like, ah! Yeah. But anyway, so, um, yeah, that's been my week. Just kind of doing that kind of stuff. Getting my new computer set up uh, and trying to get everything sorted for the or video editing and stuff like that. So I can go back to vid- uh, videoing with my DSLRs. So hopefully improve the quality of the content that's coming out. Uh, can't promise that the quality will improve because it'll still be the same guy behind the camera. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I filmed a new video for my channel uh, about making gravers, uh, how I go about making uh, my traditional Japanese-style engravers. Uh, I kind of bridge the gap on on European-style engravers as well, but uh, it's because I'm studying Japanese-style engraving. It was mostly surrounding Japanese-style gravers. Uh, and then... Yeah, because I am a massive weeb. Um, <laughs> and next week we'll be learning to use them. Um, or it might also be... Uh, I might do two videos next week because I'm going to a friend's place tomorrow and we might be making some cool stuff while I'm there. He does a lot of Damascus work, so we might make something crazy. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, my song of the week is a song that I listened to a lot of in uh, 2019, apparently, because I was listening to my 2019 top-rated playlist the other day, and I couldn't believe that I haven't put this on the playlist already, and it's by Luke Combs, and it, <laughs> it's When It Rains, It Pours. Um, I love that song. Mi- as many of you will know, I'm a massive country fan, and you know I I listen to country most of the time. Although recently I've been listening to a lot of musicals and show tunes and stuff. I think that's mostly the Forgecast playlist's fault. Yeah, um, my fault specifically. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, uh, country's been a big thing for me for a long time, and uh, Luke Combs is one of my favorites because I have not, I have yet to hear a song by Luke Combs that I don't like. Like, normally, when you find an artist, you'll find, you know, like, you'll like most of their stuff, but there'll be one or two songs you can't stand. I have yet to find one by Luke Combs that I don't like, so... He's he's one of those gems, isn't he? Oh, he's just, yeah, diamond in the rough. So, so Zane, Sam likes both types of music, country and western. Country and western. (laughs) Ah. Country music is just the one genre I just cannot get down with at all. No. no shape or don't form. They, don't they hang that's people it. in North Carolina for that? Yeah, so that's the end of the show, guys. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> um... <laughs> how, how about how about you, Zane? As, as for anybody who doesn't recognize the name Zane Birch, you may already be following him on Instagram or YouTube under ZJB Knives. Uh, we recently talked about him uh, a couple episodes ago because of his magnificent work in general, but mostly on the cut and shoot that he's been working on, which is just, it just keeps getting better with the Mockume scales on them. And oh, he's got it on camera as well. Yeah. We've just been sort of <laughs> drooling on the other side of the planet as he posts yeah. picture and video <laughs> after picture and video. But we, we, we reached out and we got him on the show. So thanks for What's coming up, on, mate. Guys? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, should I guess I should talk about what I've done the, throughout the week? Or, yeah, uh, tell yeah. us what you've been doing. Okay. What you've been working on? Well, I thought that I had work on Monday, but turns out it was Labor Day, so I woke up at seven o'clock for nothing. So I tried <laughs> to make the best of it and get out of the shop and get some work done. 
I did. I forged up a whole bunch of Mokume and did my part contributing to our uh, U.S. coin shortage by taking up approximately $60 (laughs) worth of quarters. (laughs) Um, And then I forged out a second Kukri. The second Kukri is, uh, I say second, I don't know if you guys saw the first, but I forged one a little while ago and I'm forging a second now as a pair. And both of those are going to be shipped off to Norway along with a cleaver blade. The guy up there, uh, he goes by Stingray V on Instagram, and he does amazing work with uh, traditional Scandi blades and stuff like that. Um, uh, Pucos, that's what those are called. Mm. So he does a lot of work with Pucos. He sent me one. Um, The blade is made, as far as I know, from some Norwegian submarine that was sunk in World War II, and it was, Mm. you know, some Damascus from the reclaimed steel from it. So that was pretty cool. That is cool. And uh, I work a second job, so that's where I've been for most of this week. In all honesty, I work as a a part-time fabricator with my boss. He lives just down the road, and he's a one-man show, and I just help him whenever he just has a job he can't do himself. So, Sometimes you just need that second set of hands. Or you just don't want to get dirty like him. He's smart. (laughs) (laughs) Pay the the young guy to do it, right? We had a plasma cut. We had to plasma cut some angles that, I kid you not, were like this out of some four-inch wide, three-eighths inch square tubing. And I don't know how to translate that to millimeters for y'all, but it was big. Small. That's that's (laughs) one. That's one hundred and fifty mil by ten mil. Okay. Well, it was a lot to plasma cut through, especially to make (laughs) consistent angles. (laughs) Oh boy. But uh, that's that's been the majority of my week, as well as uh, working on the cut and shoot, as you guys like to call it. So I know that those of you that aren't on the video call with us can't see it, but I'm showing uh, these it guys I'm working on. Yeah, yeah so that, I have been... That uh, mirror polish is pretty good. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm working on it. It's got definitely a fingerprint magnet, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like a yeah. lot. So you can see I engraved, or not engraved, but stamped. Um, mm. I'm showing them the Mokume plates that I added to the side of this. So I forged up some uh, Mokume from some quarters uh, this week as well, and you know, ground and shaped them and filed them and sanded them until they looked how I wanted. They're matching on either side. They got a cool, uh, I'd say like I don't even know what kind of pattern it is. I call it double raindrop just because I did the raindrop pattern twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Technical Easy terms. Enough. Easy enough, right? <laughs> you could call it like downpour or something like that. Downpour. <laughs> yeah. I really yeah, love the um the I think sort I'll of... call it the called the biblical flood pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I love the that's the the sweep to to what you built there. I mean, I'm I'm a, a huge wheel gun fan myself, but one of my favorites is the old US Navy revolvers. Those ones mm-hmm. that you really sort of you, you're bending your hand forward so far to, to yeah. point these things forward. Um, I, I always love that look. Uh, I even I love it so much that I even love it in uh, Firefly with Captain Malcolm Reynolds. That uh, oh, yeah. he's got yeah. the, the sci-fi pistols, but they're modeled off that same sort of design. There's just mm-hmm. an elegance about them, looking down your arm like that, yeah. and um, the cut and shoot that you made sort yeah. of has that same vibe yeah. to it, and it just it just gave me the fizz. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of funny. This one, I was going for almost like a traditional like flintlock style with this shape, and then mm. the rest of the handle up to say here, I'll give you a good view. It kind of reminds yep. me of a traditional like a uh, yadigan handle. 
Yeah, it does. Oh, so, yeah, it does. That, was, that, that was what that stuck hook. out to me. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I'll incorporate that somewhere in the name. Do you guys have a fun name for it? Because <laughs> otherwise it's just going to be a knife gun, and I guess we could name it something, something fun. Well, are you familiar with the, the old um, Disney movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. You could call it Stabby Stabby Bang Bang. funny thing when my when my dad was little he wasn't able to pronounce the noise so he would go around the house asking his parents to watch shitty shitty bang bang (laughs) (laughs) that's right my my uh my stepbrother always used to get um his trs and his f's mixed up so Uh, you can you can imagine Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was always fun because he used to get so excited, so he'd always jump up and start screaming it at the top of his lungs whenever yeah. he'd see one. Which in the middle of yeah. McDonald's was always fun, you know. Oh. <laughs> My mom's got stories of me in a preschool at the church we used to go to, and uh, they would dread leaving me there by myself because they knew it was inevitable that I would freak out the you know little intern lady there by just screaming "fuck." Fuck! Yeah. In the middle of class, <laughs> pointing at the fire engine. <laughs> oh goodness! So, yes. as, as um, who has been inspiring you lately? So, song of the week for me. Sorry, it's been you guys caught me in a little bit of a boring week this week. But uh, the song of the week is going to be "Give Yourself a Try" by the 1975. So right. I haven't it's a very it's a very peppy song, got kind of a little bit more like electronic sounding, I guess. But uh, from my understanding of the lyrics that I could hear, of course, I haven't you know dived too deep into it. But it sounds like he's talking about his life and all the mistakes that he made, and how he's just still happy with who he is, and he's just going to give himself a try. So I That's, respected that. I like it. So yeah, yeah, and they're Doesn't a they're British band, so yeah. So yeah, that one's been very uh, much thematically with, with some of the stuff on the Forge cast. Yeah, yeah I that's think right. so too. Just gotta try stuff. Also, Sam, I've we're... been mentioning to tell you in person how much I like that scribe you've been working on. That oh, thing yeah. is freaking awesome. I saw your message that you responded to me, and I'm terrible about responding back, so I apologize. I will get to you. <laughs> that's all right. It it ended up getting sold, but um, you know, we can talk oh, about another one if you need. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Very cool. Sam will do Definitely it too. Be down to look into it. I yeah, still I still cool. have a piece of the Damascus that I made it from. So <laughs> the the These integral are not idle pocket, words. Yeah. The integral pocket clip that you incorporated. That was super cool. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, that was a Joey Vandersteeg idea. Um, Joey did a video on making one out of a piece of coil spring, and I I loved the idea so much that I had to do it myself. Mm. Hey, that's pretty cool. Except Sam being Sam, he had to make it out of Twist Damascus instead. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful pattern. I loved. I couldn't tell how many sides it had on it. Was it eight sides? Uh, it was an octagonal, sides? yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, cool. I can't tell you how much of a pain in the ass it was to make that out of Damascus, oh. I will tell you. <laughs> I understand. I mean, like forging, forging one of those out of mono steel is easy. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. it's legitimately like a 25-minute job. Yeah. But making it out of Damascus and trying to keep the integral pocket clip on it is painful. Yep. yep. <laughs> but Did I you ever have anything break? Too. Did you ever have any uh, any D-lands or any cracks or anything while working on it? Um, so with that one, no, I didn't have any. Um, I've been recently really 
uh, dialing in my Damascus work. Um, I, I, for the longest time, I've been the, the kind of knife maker that abhors Damascus because all it is is a pretty pattern on a blade that will never get used. Um, mm-hmm. like I, and will I don't rust like... twice as fast as every other yeah. blade. <laughs> I like... <laughs> I like Damascus because it shows the skill of the maker, and I like it when it's utilized uh, in a subtle fashion yeah. um, in, in work. But my, my biggest problem is, is that most of the time, Damascus is just a way to increase the price of a knife yes. rather than increase the quality. I agree uh, with I, you there. <laughs> I'm, all about, I'm all about a good quality knife being about how it cuts and how it feels before how it looks. Yeah. So I've spent most of my career trying to perfect my geometry and perfect my, you know, my lines and all that kind of stuff before I get into, you know, using ridiculously mm-hmm. expensive materials like Damascus. But now I'm getting to the point where my skills are at a level where I'm comfortable to start implementing Damascus. And so, yeah, recently I've been spending a lot of time working on my forge worlds and apparently it's all coming together. So <laughs> yeah, it's clearly paid off pretty well. I mean, the pattern and that was just, stunning definitely like you said showed off the skill of the maker yeah well thank you but um yeah we got some listener emails or do we want to do the inspiration this week first we'll do inspiration we've 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 prattled so long that zane's barely had a chance to talk so (laughs) that's it i don't mind i i'm not gonna lie there were a couple points where i just felt like i was just sitting here like listening to the forge cast on uh <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like oh i've got to talk okay <laughs> <laughs> wait i'm on the show Oops. yeah i know <laughs> this this Surreal. episode is gonna have your name in the title so you better talk <laughs> <laughs> i've got it like i said i gotta choose my words carefully i know that my mom is gonna be watching this one so and as well as she's gonna be sending it to probably every relative i have so <laughs> Well, I, want, already... I wanted to go on uh, Rogan's show for a while. Of course, he hasn't gotten back to me on that. But if he um, ever were to well, allow he me had... to go on the show, he <laughs> had Mirko Malmasi on there, so it, it yeah, should, yeah, yeah. And he's even yeah. reposted and got knives from several other people that I know personally, like, uh, yeah. well, Jordan Chumney. I don't know personally, but Jordan Chumney on Instagram, Chumney Knives, he mm. sold a knife to uh, Joe and. You know, Joe reposted it, and he gained like a couple thousand followers in a day, which is yeah. awesome. So, he has a I'd love to go on that show. He hasn't had any. Uh, I I used to work as uh, a behavioral game theorist, and he hasn't had any game theorists on his show. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a field I think that would lend itself well to this his sort of interview style. I agree. I agree. I think he's willing to really cover just about anything. Mm. <laughs> It's one of the good things about his show is that he does just talk yeah. about anything. Yeah. But um, yeah. aside he's from not your inspiration people, of the week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Who is your inspiration this week? Man, there's always countless inspirations, and I'd really have to go back and look through my most recent Instagram feed and just remember the names of people. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of a cleanse on Instagram. I was following, like, thousands of people previously, and now I'm cutting it down to just the people that I really enjoy following. Mm. Um, cold out me, cold out Sam. No, yeah. no, no. I specifically, I, I, the angel well, of death swept over y'all last night, so you're all you're all good. Just say hi <laughs> so, for uh, me. <laughs> yeah, the, the Insta Reaper. But uh, Bruce Bump and David Lish are two that come to mind instantly. And I know David was on the show last week, but mm. once again, here I am shouting him out. He deserves it. David, you do amazing work. 
I love you and your style and your personality, and I look forward to meeting you in person someday. Uh, he was so Kyle, great to have the show. Oh, He's just an awesome person. I love the, the work that he does with gold. It's just such mm-hmm. a subtle touch, you know? Yep. His, uh, the rock gold that he works on, I mean, I tried to do something similar with um, uh, silver solder on wrought iron, but nowhere near the same effect, nowhere near as cool or as professional. So, you know, he's just got his thing (laughs) nailed down. And uh, Kyle Royer is another one that I'm very inspired by this week. I've been watching his build on Excelsior, uh, keeping up Mm. with the guard progress and everything else with that. So very impressed, very impressed. I love watching all of his uh, update videos and just seeing what he's up to. Uh, and then the last one, sorry, I got three, but, uh, the last one is, uh, Bruce Bump. Bruce Bump does not have nearly as much recognition as he should. He's got, you know, like 1600 followers on Instagram and I'm sure he's got more people begging to have his knives, but, uh, he makes specifically weird, intricate, I don't even know, would you call them knives? I guess you call them art <laughs> for the most part. I'm sure they're functional, but, oh, yeah, uh, no, art, art knives kind of, you know, exactly, exactly. in that area. But, and I guess that's kind of what I'm leaning towards as well as art knives. But mm. he makes these beautiful knife guns with engraved barrels and gold inlays and knives that come out of the handle and they're folding knives. And it's just, it's insane. If you don't follow him on Instagram already, you definitely should be. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we've, we've mentioned his work uh, quite a few times throughout the, the episodes. Yeah. yeah. Keep it up. He deserves more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's it. Now, now, we do have some listener emails, and uh, they've got some questions for us. And, Zane, you're welcome to weigh in on answering them as well. I'm a new uh, I don't f- know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll fit right in with us, then. Hashtag uh, not professional <laughs> advice. <laughs> you got to uh, follow up the advice with, uh, but that's just my opinion. You, yeah, never, you never leave it be just like a, a command. You know, you've got to have a little bit of liability protection there. After every expression of our opinion, we, you hear this giant thumping noise, and that's the uh, the boulder-sized you know, pinch of salt that you should take with our opinion. <laughs> <laughs> not me, not mine. I'm, I mean everything I say. Oh, yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah. Alex is going to um, we, well, we're we're off light with the first one. It's just somebody who has emailed in a question, uh, I believe, episode before last, and he's just wanted to say thanks. It's from Shane Marshall. He says, "Hey guys, I just listened to the show and wanted to say thanks for all the advice you gave me. I kind of freaked out when I heard my name come up, but once I settled down, I was really able to appreciate what you were both saying. You were right. My fiance and I were sharing the same Etsy store." I've taken everything you've said to heart and hopefully we'll see some changes in the upcoming months as I refine things, expand into other pages and groups or sites. I'll keep everyone posted in the usual social media platforms and I'll see you there. You guys rock. Excellent. Thank you. Good to see. It's uh, sometimes it's uh, it's hard to hear that you're doing things wrong. Um, but to be able to take that feedback and uh, apply it to to better yourself is, is, is a kingly, kingly habit. Absolutely. All right. Our next email is from Benjamin Griffin. He says, okay, guys, you hear about aprons and eye protection, respirators and other such, but what I want to know is what about shoes? I know you need something fire resistant, but what do you recommend for both safety and comfort? 
read comfort as won't hurt to stand in and won't make me sweat my toenails loose. <laughs> I have leather boots that are comfortable to stand in, but I'm in serious danger of soggy socks. I've seen ads for indestructible shoes that are mm. supposed to be tough and to breathe like Egyptian cotton, but I'm skeptical. It seems like we have to choose safety or comfort. Is that the case? Do I have options or do I just have to Aquaman up in the foot department? Keep up the good work. The Forgecast is a highlight of my week. Benjamin Griffin. Well, thanks, Benjamin. Um, I think we've all seen. I think we've all seen those ads for the indestructible shoes. Um, and oh, not too long ago, um, Derek Melton actually got sent a pair by that company to review, and I think he lasted about six hours before he's like, "Nope." Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. didn't he the throw bin. them through his power hammer or something? <laughs> no, there was another guy recently that um, I can't remember who it was now. But yeah, uh, one, on of, one of the guys threw it through it through a power hammer because he was really yeah, impressed it, with them. And his pair held up. So either yeah. they have refined it since Derek Melton got his or not. But the thing the thing I don't like about them is that they are really low cut. So yeah, they protect running. you from things underneath, but they don't protect you from things landing on the top and falling down inside the shoe. They're running shoes. They're not they're not work shoes. Like mm. <laughs> they're they're basically like yeah, they're they're work shoes in a running shoe form, which is basically useless. Yeah, and there's there's two types of forge really when it comes to foot protection. In my experience, is there's solid fuel forges which require foot protection for one reason, and then there are gas forges which require foot protection for a different reason. Gas forges, it's to protect you from dropping things on it, really. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas the risk of hot coals rolling out from a solid fuel forge and you not realizing it and stepping on it, um, any normal sneakers or something will that'll burn through in literally seconds. And oh, yeah, cause no. you some very painful burns to the inside sole of your foot. I mean, from from my perspective, I, I kind of treat it like a work site. You know, I worked in laboring for a while. You know, I, I did landscaping and wall building and all that kind of stuff. I did roofing. And when you're on a work site, you wear steel-toed shoes. And mm-hmm. you can have steel-toed shoes from stuff like Blundstone, where it's literally just a piece of leather protecting your foot other than the steel toe. Um, and those tend to get, you know, you tend to get swamp foot pretty fast in those. Mm. Uh, these, these days I tend to go for lace ups or, um, in the in fact, at the moment I'm wearing, I bought these like two weeks ago, uh, King G, uh, zip up, you know, side zip up lace up boots. My, my wife wears King G zip up boots and she loves them. She swears by them. Oh man. Like I'm in love with these things. They are stupidly comfortable to stand in for, you know, hours a day. They, because they're leather outside, they're fairly fire resistant. They've got a very thick sole and they also have the, um, you know, spongy protective layer of a standard lace up boot, like a hiking boot. Mm. Um, and that kind of, you know, is going to wick away a lot of the sweat problems that you're going to have in hot environments, especially cause I'm a massive dude. I tend to sweat at like, you know, 22 degrees and above. <laughs> So um, yeah, I mean, hiking boot that, style. That's like that's like ninety six miles. <laughs> ninety six miles. <laughs> it's approximately seven bald eagles and three cheetahs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fourteen cubits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Zane just kind of glazing over, oh. trying to convert Celsius to Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it with drill bits. Like I can do it with drill bits 
and uh, and and ratchets, and that's about it. But uh, it's because the temperature scale the... makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah, <Absolutely>. like. <laughs> I might be able to give you an estimate just based off a of TV on like how much a, like a kilo would weigh just from like all the drug shows that I've watched in the past. But... <laughs> Anyone would think having a logarithmic temperature scale would be a bad idea, but America's like, no, I'm sticking with it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, don't, I really just think that we were just kind of salty with everywhere else and we were just like, you know what? We're making our own system, even if it doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. America. But yeah, I, I think 20 oh, degrees yeah. is like 65, <laughs> 65, 70 Fahrenheit, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Yep. What I most mean, people uh, would call a mildly brisk day, I will sweat yeah. like nothing else. So I, well, if, I'm, if I'm ever hiking anywhere, I have to have the ankle support that lace-ups offer. But if I'm working in a workshop, I love my slip-on boots, Blundstone-style yeah. boots. But I, I actually have been using DeWalt slip-on boots. Um, oh, yeah. And they're steel-toed and they're great. But the thing is, um, a biggest problem, the biggest mitigating factor for getting rid of sweat from your feet is not the boot, it's the sock. Yeah. Yes. You've got to have yes. good socks. Like, proper merino wool a lot of people don't realize that socks aren't just a padding between your foot and the inside of your shoe they are a wicking mechanism they literally take moisture and it wicks up towards the ankle so you have to wear the socks right don't roll them over all the time um, you know that's supposed to actually have the socks up your leg like you know it looks silly but that's it's that level for it for a reason. Tell my it, tell my girlfriend that she yeah, is for for wearing. They're actually my knees. serving. <laughs> yeah, they're serving a capillary action. It's a functional yes. purpose, and people don't seem to realize this, and so they will roll them down or they'll squish them down, and or they'll wear really thick socks because they wear. They say, "Oh, I'm wearing boots, so I'm going to wear these thick socks made of like polyester and artificial materials." You want merino wool none of this or bamboo bam- nonsense if no, everyone bamboo everyone goes and work bamboo and cotton no work. They, they yeah but the thing is once bamboo gets wet it takes a long time to dry out yeah see the the merino guys always hate the bamboo guys and the bamboo guys always hate the merino guys i'm <laughs> staunchly in the merino camp <laughs> i'm on the i'm on the flip-flop side i don't know about you guys i wear flip-flops everywhere in the shop, forging, <laughs> plasma cutting, welding. See, I don't lie, Zane. You I wear die. safety Crocs, don't you? you safety oh. Crocs. Every once in a while, I'll have the Crocs on. Maybe I'll feel a little. <laughs> maybe I'll feel a little risky and be barefoot. But uh. Uh, I've been. <laughs> now I'll I've tell been, you what, what. You got some good breathability with Crocs, though. So if you're on the more uh, breathable side of things, I you definitely. I get hate away with that. how comfortable Crocs are. Because just, I hate it's, it's myself for <laughs> it's like I don't know if you guys have McDonald's there, but uh, it's like going you to do. McDonald's at three in the morning. Like you regret it so much, but you just you do it anyway, and you don't feel mad yeah. at yourself about it until later. <laughs> I, I've done I've done that cheeky Macca's run when I've been, everybody uh, else is asleep. I've been caught forging in my bare feet, but the problem I've got is that I've had stuff <sighs> like 120 kilo bars of iron fall over in my workshop on my foot. 
And if I hadn't been wearing my steel-toed shoes, I wouldn't have a foot. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Drop some, natural natural drop something heavy enough. <laughs> drop something but, heavy enough, and it, it would just slice it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I true. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> you don't. But you if don't I realize. My, if I lose my foot, it's just because I was an idiot and I just need to do better in life. That's what it is. Well, <laughs> as as the the devoted listeners will remember, a few episodes back, I was talking about how I'm preparing to actually do a bloomery smelt um, in the near future. Um, and so I've been just absorbing YouTube videos on it. And have you guys watched that one, that really thorough video from the Primitive Survival Channel, where he does a full bloomery smoot, a smelt in in like bare feet? Yeah, <laughs> in, including smoot. like pulling the bloom out and like, hammering on he it. He was like freaking shirtless too, and everything. I mean, <laughs> it's like, dude, you gotta lose some toes. But you know, I think they did it back in the day. Yeah. Right. Foot wraps. Yeah. I guess so there's a reason Benjamin, the median that is age was like some... 40. Yeah, that's right. the, hopefully, Benjamin, that has given you some ideas. Uh, get some good socks, merinos. Yeah. The only type of bamboo. good sock. Ba- and, bamboo. And wear them get, properly, get and you will notice a big difference. <laughs> you, regardless of the type of sock that you get wear them properly and you'll notice a big difference in moisture wicking it's, it's what they're designed to do they're, they're actually they're not just for comfort they are serving a purpose absolutely so, and our final email for the week is from harrison funk which is an awesome name it um, is. he says hi alex and sam I'm sure he would have said hi, Zane, as well, if he knew you were going to be on. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. He said, first, I have to share my appreciation for your work on the Forgecast. I've been making knives for a couple of years now, and the knowledge you've shared has been instrumental in sharpening my skills. Wow, that just made me realize that we have actually been running for almost two years now. Almost. I feel old. Uh, anyway, he says, after, after selling a few blades, I've started to ponder the topic of originality. Many of the knives I've made have been heavily influenced by the styles of prominent bladesmiths like Neil Kamamura, Jason Knight, Kurt Harland, Sam Towns, and Alex Norton. Oh, what, a, what a sweetheart. I didn't add that in either. He actually wrote that. I love that Do you, you guys think? That. Yeah, I know, right? People who know me well know that I had to explain that. Um, do, do you guys think that there's a point where creative influence becomes borderline plagiarism? How do you make sure the bridge between your work and the role of your role, uh, the work of your role models and mentors doesn't become too transparent? Thank you for reading and keep being brilliant with the podcast, Harrison Funk. That is a very Good interesting question. question, Harrison. Very yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I mean, it's something and, that comes across anyone's table who gets into art. And, and what we do is art, you know, at, at its basic level. At what point yeah, does, right. uh, you know, an, uh, an homage become a direct copy? Um, I, I want to pass on a piece of wisdom that was given to me back when I worked in the film industry. And it was that while a cliff face, the stones of a cliff face never change over the thousands of years that they exist, the shadows that they cast as the light changes throughout the course of the day and the year makes that cliff look endlessly different. And really, if you are shining new light on an old concept, you can make it your own. But you've got to shine that light on it. 
and not just look at it for what it is. Absolutely. And I agree. And I think, I think one of the important things to remember is, and uh, basically with the cliff analogy, what you're saying is there's nothing new under the sun except how it's exposed. Hmm. Right. And, and in knife making that there's pretty much nothing that hasn't already been done. <laughs> like, you know, that's very like, we, true. We, we can say that there are, you know, like weird designs and different mosaic patterns and stuff like that that haven't been tested yet. But and when it comes down to it, a knife has a cutting edge and <laughs> and a handle normally. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's How it's many hard ways to can you get around it. Yeah, it, it's hard to change that. So at the end of the day, you're going to end up taking inspiration from others, and even if you don't directly, you're going to make a knife, and then you're going to find out that someone else made a knife that looks almost exactly like that. Um, it happens to everyone. I think that the yep. key is, is to find your inspirations and then adapt them to your own style. You know, like I, I started making harpoon points when I saw, uh, Jason Knight and uh, a bunch of other guys, you know, making them and thought that looks really cool. Um, and I started making them, but I kind of changed the way that I, uh, made the harpoons come out of the spine rather than having the, you know, kind of low swoop that a lot of the guys were doing. I, I decided to have a much more sharp transition. Simple, tiny details like that can make the knife look entirely different to its original inspiration. But when I had a, when I did uh, make something in a style of someone else, like I, uh, for instance, really like making Nick Rossi style integral forgings which have an integrally forged guard lug, but they are full tang knives without the integral bolsters. Uh, I credit him with that design. You know, like, uh, he is the person I believe came up with that method of forging, and so therefore I credit him, because he is worth crediting. And if you're going to copy someone's design in that, in that aspect, then crediting them is the least you can do to assuage your own self-guilt <laughs> around copying their design especially earlier in your knife making career it's it's like um neil gaiman actually said it beautifully he said that before we learn to sound like ourselves we have to sound like a lot of other people yeah. it's 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 coming up with your own concepts unless you're a natural born artist which some people are um you 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 we need to try these things and work out that you may like that design, but then later on after you've made it, you realize you actually only like this part of that design. And so mm -hmm. that will start being reflected in your work. But then you'll do that with a, a dozen other people. And you, by yeah. the time you put those parts together, you realize all of a sudden you're making your own work. Yeah. yeah. I'd really be interested so to hear your things. take on this thing. Sure. Huh? Oh, I'd be really interested say, to yeah. hear your take. So when it comes to... I guess you guys seem to have a pretty good insight on this already, but when I imagine plagiarism, I imagine something that is so close that it's almost indecipherable from the other one, mm. or at least the con like it's maybe not indecipherable, but very easily known that that is where the idea came from. I like, you know, like with the, the cut and shoot that I'm working on, I got the general idea of having a knife and a gun together from Bruce Bump. I would love to fully accredit him for that he was the one that inspired me to do that but mm -hmm. the actual design the mechanism and how i did everything else i came up with myself so i guess 
like you guys said, there's like a general idea. Most things have been done. Of course, somebody's put a knife on a gun. Like <laughs> that's just that's inevitable, yeah. you know. That's that's been done since <laughs> but, uh, you know back in the 1700s. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's not a new concept, but I think I have a little bit of a new take on it, maybe. And I think that's <laughs> what most people are trying to do. And honestly, I don't think that most people will want to plagiarize. I think most people would like to do original things, but as you said, Alex, you got to try. You got to try other people's stuff first and then see what you like from that. I mean, uh, even just on this knife right here, I'm showing them uh, the cut and shoot that I was working on. Um, I'm still designing different blade shapes. <laughs> yeah, let me put it up against something black. But uh, you can have a completely different look from the, the belly of the knife to uh, you know where it starts to swoop up a little bit on a drop point if you have a little bit of a recurve. That makes a huge difference, even just a slight bit. Or yeah. if you have it flat like this one is, and you can have it flat going straight out, or you can have it flat going up at a little bit of an angle. I mean, there's just infinite ways that you can slightly modify things. So, mm. but yeah, I mean, I mean uh, like you say, uh, yeah. credit your inspirations. You know, yes. If yes, I was to make the biggest it, thing, if I was to have the ability to make a cut and shoot, which I wish I could, but you know, Australian laws being what they are. I would credit yourself and Bruce for yeah. the inspiration. Like, even if I took a completely different route and went, you know, mm -hmm. totally nuts in a different direction, I would still want to credit you guys for the inspiration for the idea. And and I think that's important in our community. And hey. how you go about it does matter as well. Like, I've, I've had people um, comment on posts of mine saying, I'm stealing this idea. And I know they're yeah. saying it ca casually and lightly. Yeah, yeah I know exactly. they're saying that. But still, I see it, and I'm like, it's a little bit of a sting. Like, just don't. But then I've had other people say, I've had other people say, I actually would really love to try this on one of my projects. One of the examples was I actually did wooden liners on the sides of a tang, and then put the handle scales on. But I did cross cross the grain, so the grain was running one way on the liners, and then the other way on the and. I had somebody say, I'd never even thought of trying that. Would you mind if I did it? And I didn't think have that sort of eh feeling at all. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. That's, and well, and, and I, mean, I wanted them, I said, show me yeah. if you do it, because I think that'd be cool. And I think that's, that's a big thing. Uh, if you think about like uh, drawing artists, artists who work with paint and pencils and stuff like that, if you were to trace and copy someone's drawing and then try and sell it as your own, then you're a, you're a uh, you're an asshole for first thing, and you're also, break, you're also breaking the law. Um, and I think it's the same in knife making. If you were to take a pattern of someone's knife, like if you were to take a schematic and recreate it, which has been done, I've seen people try and pass this kind of stuff mm -hmm. off as their own. Yeah. Um, then yeah, you are deliberately you know taking that person's work for your own. Yeah. I have made knives that were basically one for one of another person's knife. But the only way I've got around doing that is by messaging the person who's made that knife directly and saying, hey, I love this design. I want to make one. Would you mind if I did? And yeah. every time that I've asked that, they've been like, absolutely, go for it. Go yeah. hard. But I can imagine that if I'd done that without asking... And then or without commented credit. on their post saying stealing this LOL. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> especially without crediting them at the end, without saying, you know, hey, I got this idea from. Yeah. Then 
I can imagine that that person would be incredibly pissed and would be rightfully yeah. pissed. <laughs> you know? by, yeah. by and large, we have an amazing community in the knife making world, and they oh, want absolutely. to see each other ex- um, excel and succeed and improve. And if we can feel like we have helped somebody be inspired like that, most of us, like ninety nine percent of us, are going to be like, "Hell yeah, we want to do that." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess the the one thing when it comes to this that that just pisses me off especially on instagram is when somebody and you know i'm not hating on designs or anything but when somebody comes up with a very very basic design like just astronomically basic and (laughs) then they will call other people out for stealing their idea you know (laughs) like they'll literally make like a quiken or something like that and they're like so and so and so and so others stole my idea i'm just like dude it's a (laughs) cleaver it's a cleaver (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) whatever the fuck and like a a nakiri with a with a you know maple (laughs) handle how many thousands of those do you see weekly on instagram i mean (laughs) every day exactly i mean there's and that's what my instagram cleanse was for it's just like some people just do certain things really well, and I want to follow those people. Not to hate on everybody else, but just, I don't know. I feel like I, I just try to look for inspiration on Instagram. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just trying to narrow it down so that's easier to see, I guess. And follow, like, all my old, like, people I knew from work and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have another there... account that I actually follow, like, friends and stuff from, but, uh, yeah. Right. Well, the the reality is when you're um, new to knife making and by new to knife making, I mean, probably in the first couple of years of your working, you're going to be influenced by a lot of people. You're going to be doing a lot of um, things that you saw that was really cool. Like you, you saw Ryu Lim's latest post and thought, oh, that's really cool. I want to do one of those sort of cord wrap style handles and you'll go and do it and everything. And you should credit, you should show where your influences come from. But the fact is, if you are doing these things in order to push yourself, in order to try and test what you're capable of doing uh, in trying to recreate these things, that's all going to help you get better. And by the time you've been doing it for more than a couple of years, you will have accumulated so much new skill by trying to recreate these things that you will just naturally come up with your own designs. Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> I, I never intended to make Mosaic Damascus until I met Kyle Royer. And then, you know, one day I'm going to make Mosaic Damascus. And when I do, I'm going to turn around and say, I got inspired by Kyle Royer. From, but, from hearing, yeah. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people now that have interacted with Kyle because he came to Australia. And I have a feeling that it's kind of like the zombie plague. You know, if you're, <laughs> if you're near Kyle Royer, if you have been exposed physically to him, you just start lusting after making Mosaic Damascus. <laughs> It's it happens. It really is. Like you just start sweating and 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 eyeing off weird pattern tiles on floors and things. Like, oh, I could make that. I could make that. Yeah, trust me. I when I used to sit in this room right here. I know y'all can't see it, but uh, on how do I flip this camera around? There we go. We got mosaic tile floors. So <laughs> <laughs> you can see all that. Yeah, it's you just start. You'll start getting inspiration from everything. Um, sh- nice shapes that you see in non-knife objects, you'll start seeing and thinking that would make a cool knife. Or sometimes yeah. you'll mess up a project. You'll be trying to do one thing and it goes wrong, but then you're like, "Well, it's actually not half bad." And then you'll end <laughs> up making a line of those knives. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I, I so. Think- 
yeah, I, there are so many knife makers out there, professional knife makers, and a lot of them are very recognizable in their style. Like, you know, if you see one of their knives, you know who it is. And those people have normally been in the industry for many, many years and have tried many, many, many styles and have eventually grown to have their own style, which is an amalgam of all of the styles that they've tried before. Mm. Um, so yeah, try everything, try something new. If you see something that you like, try making one and test yourself and then incorporate that into your further work. Just as you're going, don't, don't try and steal other people's ideas and claim them as your own. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's one thing to take inspiration from. It's another thing to say, Hey, look what I came up with that. I totally didn't steal from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that, that, while while we have you on the show, Zane, um, you were uh, if you listened to my using you as inspiration of the week a um, couple episodes ago, well, we'll I, I was did. talking about how I've been following you since I sort of began making knives. Really, um, when and was I that? Thought, by the way, making knives about probably two and a half years ago. Blacksmithing for okay. about six years. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're about um, but, inverted on that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I've been doing the knives for six years and the blacksmithing for only about two and a half. So, yeah, right. Actually, not even yeah. six years. It's more like four. So I'm still pretty new to this as well. Well, I was going to ask you what sort of advice you would have. As you can tell from the emails that we get, we get a yeah. lot of blickiners listening to this show. Like, what, what would you what would you suggest to them? What, that you're, you're a young fella, a young whippersnapper, getting into <laughs> it yourself, you know, yeah. and phenomenal skill level i mean that does doesn't just fall out of the sky yeah. that takes hard work well the biggest thing that i would say is never discount the tools that you do have never discount the tools that you do have because you can i mean it might not be as pretty as if you had the you know the fancy tool but for the most part you can use very basic tools to get a lot of stuff done so i like to tell people i use files more than just about any other tool in my mm -hmm. arsenal so if you got files, you could do pretty much anything with that, you know? Well, I used Wolfgang Lochner is a good example of that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I used to make rings out of coins, and uh, you'd have to drill out the center of it, but I didn't have a drill. So I would use a pocket knife, and I would slowly twist it like an <laughs> owl and wow. get a hole in it and then chip carve out all of it. So wow. I guess just perseverance and maybe a little bit of little bit of like undiagnosed autism mixed in there. But uh <laughs> what, what was your alley rate on that? <laughs> Dude, I get like a hundred bucks for a ring and it was like twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those are the good old days. But I started doing that when I was like twelve and then I got into doing the actual knives and uh I started making Mokume first. At a very young age, I was, I was like 14 when I tried making Mokume. There's a jeweler in town that told me about it, and I just thought, eh, I'll, I'll give it a try. But uh, I'd just tell everybody, same as you said, really just try everything and don't, don't let what somebody else says uh, stop you. Never, never let somebody tell you that you know, your tool's not good enough or you need to use this or you need to use that. Just kind of plow your own path and make it work, and eventually it'll pay off and people will respect you for it. Mm. And um, and what's what's the um, the dream project that you've been waiting your whole life to make? <laughs> dream project, I would like. Well, I've got I've got probably five of them, but one of them I want to make a a, a Zweihander, 
a little oh, bit shorter, yeah. a little bit shorter, with two gun barrels going, you know, quite a good bit of the length of the blade. And then I want the, uh, <laughs> it's going to have, uh, you're going to actually use the base of it as like, you know, you're going to put it in your shoulder and then, <laughs> yeah, one, I'm, one end of, one end of the guard, anime music. The, <laughs> one end of the guard is actually going to be the trigger mechanism. You just pull it down and it's going to shoot both barrels at the same time. And of course it's going to be chambered in uh, 410 shotgun shells. So <laughs> I've, honestly, Sam, I mean, you have on. you have lost your king weeb crown now. It's also going to be made out <laughs> of mosaic Damascus. It's going to have gold inlays. It's going to have probably like a walrus ivory handle. Some like, am, you know fluted. I, <laughs> I really like, want to see this thing. Oh man, uh, this I, is going to be like my my like ten year project. <laughs> I'm pumped. I want to I want to see this tomorrow. You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> get, get going! Oh, you don't waste of time with us. I, you know, I, I am suddenly hearing like you know the, the Naruto theme song running through my head. You, know? you guys are gonna get me inspired. I'm gonna get a Naruto wig and make a YouTube video on this. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That'd be that, a pretty good series, though. Maybe that would be fantastic. That sounds pretty epic, though. <laughs> I was telling uh, Sam and Alex about this earlier, but I plan on doing YouTube full time for a period with my uh, my future fiance. So uh, yeah, that'll be fun times, fun times. So keep an eye out if you don't follow ZJB Knives on YouTube already, please do so. Yeah, do that yeah, for do the, that the self anyway. self ad. <laughs> he, he has some pretty cool how tos. Uh, we actually spoke about his Mokume uh, video uh, on Alex's uh, inspiration, so definitely Such worth a check a out. Quality video, yeah. I'd and I loved your um, I loved your collaboration with Green Beetle. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. That was pretty. Yeah, <laughs> Steve is a really cool guy. Uh, if you watch any of his videos, you can tell he's a pretty funny guy as well. So I look forward to. We're him actually in hoping person. to have him on the show at some point, and um, he's somebody that I would love to do a collaboration with one day. That'd yeah. be like the the like the epitome of the uh, ASMR voices coming together. We got the two Australians, <laughs> and we've got Green Beetle. <laughs> I have listened to that guy's voice falling asleep more than anybody else, probably. <laughs> Actually, uh, on the subject of taking inspiration from people and um, and that that specific thing, the commission I'm working on right now, I'm actually using your technique uh, on the blade, which is to which use a the um, contact wheel sideways ah, to do the yeah. plunge line. It helps, especially if you've got a smaller wheel than I have. I've got a, a four-inch one. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing a small wheel attachment, so I'm going to be doing a one-inch uh, radius. Yeah. But the, Even better. I, I took that idea mainly because it's a karambit, so it's an inside curve, and mm -hmm. doing inside curves is a massive pain in the ass. So oh, I, yes. I thought yes. long and hard about how I was going to pull it off, and then I remembered watching your video with the Green Beetle's blade and seeing that technique, and I was like, I think that might work. <laughs> so, yeah, here's, here's me crediting you. There's the oh, credit. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's a funny story behind that grinder. Is, uh, that's the only one that I've got at the moment. Uh, I've never used a two by seventy two except, uh, I mean, buddies of mine have them, uh, uh, but for the most part, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, it's funny though. I actually, I actually have a two by two sitting in, or a two by seventy two sitting in my shop that a buddy of mine actually gave me. But uh, I'm uh -huh. just doing a little bit of repair work on it, so I have that up and running. But 
that's what I was talking about when it came to bashing tools. Don't bash your tools. I mean, <laughs> that was my dad. My dad's uh, drawer sanding. You know, it's his drawer sander. It's called an edge yeah, sander. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he just had that around the shop and I was just like, dad, I want to grind metal. And he's like, I guess you could use this. That's <laughs> <laughs> made it work. I did a, um, a karambit recently for one of our listeners actually. Um, and okay. that thing nearly ripped my fingers off because I tried grinding that inside curve on a flat platen. Um, <laughs> and you got a good grind on it. <laughs> The I, I did in the end, but this was actually the fourth attempt. It took four goes to make it because I screwed up uh, three previous attempts trying to grind that tight inside curve on a flat platen, um, and yep. the tip kept grabbing, and it was yep. just not a good day. So I'm very interested to watch Sam's video when he um, posts, <laughs> posts it about this karambit because I literally... I I may, literally... I, Got, <laughs> I literally got the tilt mount purely for this job. <laughs> I, I may actually be, um, um, like, I destroyed belts and destroyed three versions of this before I finally made it, and um, I may be investing in a small wheel attachment after that video comes out. Very <laughs> good. I'm going to be finishing up the third hammer for this thing. As you can see, I actually, uh, you know how there was a little bit of a top uh, yeah, just a little I bit of a lip at the top of the hammer. So uh, funny enough, I did not put the blade in at the exact angle it needed to be. So this little uh, stainless steel hardened nipple uh, smacked the upper piece right here. Of course, it was a sharp angle, and of course, I didn't temper it, so it just went flying off. Uh, <laughs> but that's for the better. That was the grain structure. It was fantastic. It was phenomenal. Oh, good. So <laughs> I was good. happy about that. So we we test things. <laughs> That was just a. It was just you really hardcore testing your grain structure. That's all. That's oh, it. Destructive yeah, testing for sure. Oh, fun story. I'm sure you guys would love this. But uh, I was trying to make an end mill the other day because, of course, I'm cheap and don't have end mills. So I was just gonna break a drill bit and just grind the end flat, right? Because that's definitely <laughs> oh, sure. how. That's all it takes. That's definitely how end mills work, right? That's it. <laughs> so all it anyway, is. I go and I clamp this like three eighths drill bit in my uh, in my vise, and I go to go give it a whack with a hammer. And I forget how high velocity these things fly when they're that hard. So yeah. <laughs> I tapped it with a hammer. The end of the drill bit went flying off probably at Mach 3 and smashed my dad's window in the shop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and the window is about 8 by 4 and it's about 15 feet up. So, Ooh. Ouch. yeah. It, it reminds it me of a, biggest a mid misspent youth taking old spark plugs and breaking the ceramic part um, and into <laughs> tiny parts and oh, yeah. Zane knows what I'm about to talk about um, <laughs> you can peg those shards at car windows <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing oh, how small of a piece you need of that to make that work like it's, yeah, it's, it is right. incredible yeah, yeah it's a really, really good way to get revenge on people who piss you off <laughs> The terribly I, ironic part about uh, about all of this is I remember from my childhood somebody telling me like, oh, to break a glass window, you do something really hard and you hit it in like, you know, a corner of it and that'll shatter the whole thing. Well, yep. The drill bit just so happened to hit literally like a quarter of an inch, you know, a couple millimeters away <laughs> from the edge of the window. It uh, would have just missed it if I was just not dumb. 
But, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I drank, think it's dumb. I, drank, I think it's just unlucky. <laughs> no, I drank a fat glass of dumb bitch juice that morning. Is what happened. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I actually <laughs> I, I built an impromptu um, end mill with my drill press recently because I had to carve out the channel on the inside of a sayer for a, a santoku knife that I made. Oh yes, and, was that um, the uh, the sassafras one? That's right. Yeah, um, and what I did awesome. is actually. I chucked up a a um, like a carbide burr, like a mm-hmm. drum shaped carbide burr in my drill press, and yeah. lowered it down just a little bit, and then just pushed the wood through it. Uh, and I just kept eating down own, a little bit more. You basically and more. made your own router. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. I but yeah. the funny thing is, I own a router. Did <laughs> <laughs> you really? What was I couldn't. I couldn't be bothered unpacking it because since moving to this new place. I, I haven't bothered unpacking because I haven't needed it because I've just been forging. Yeah. And I'm like, right. do I just do this or do I go yeah. through all of my boxes and find people, it? And I'm like, nah. This is this is the thing with bladesmiths. They just say go around necessity. their ass to get their elbow. That's <laughs> it. I mean, people say necessity is the mother of all invention. Honestly, I say less laziness is the mother oh. of all invention. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. bladesmithing is the mother of all invention. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the amount of times that I have, like, gone and done something that requires, like, a, you know, bachelor's degree in engineering just to try and make it work, when it could have taken a five-minute trip to the hardware store, mm-hmm. <laughs> but because yeah. I didn't want to get in my car, I just, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to fuck around with this. Well, to yeah. this day, I'm still using my homemade 2x72. Yep. That thing keeps falling apart, and I keep doing MacGyver, MacGyver fixes on it, and it's probably more <laughs> fixed now than grinder. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The duct tape and bailing wire. Yeah, that's it. I once had a, a, a bearing seize on it, and it threw one of the wheels off so hard that it slammed past me at a million miles a minute and started rolling, and I live out in the country. It just kept rolling into a field, <laughs> and it went for like 50 meters. Which is like, you know, 27, 27 Fahrenheit. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's man. When I, when, I, yeah, when I first turned on the 2x72 that I have now, uh, the guy that had owned it previously, he had wrapped electrical uh, tape all the way around the wheels. So it had literally no traction whatsoever. Uh-huh. You'd think that it would give it more traction, but it had no traction. So I turned it on, and the belt just goes... <laughs> Just slides just a little bit to the right and just comes straight off and just runs straight <laughs> into me. <laughs> Still spinning. That's, that's it like just derailed itself. It just came right at me. Who doesn't love a bit of road rash? I think you might yeah, find that the... that's more of a tracking issue than an electrical tape issue. Well, yeah, it was the trick was you got there. Ele- the electrical tape was the wrong way around. That's what. The yeah. It's just because because I've used the electrical yeah. tape issue, uh, the electrical tape trick to create a slightly larger radius on my mm-hmm. contact wheels. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the time it'll be tracking and tension that causes that problem. I had a, yeah. I, I had an issue for a while wherever I'd put pressure on the flat platen with the grinder, it would immediately do that. The, the belt would just walk off the platen and run across hmm. the shop. And that was because we, I didn't have we, my belt tension up high enough. With my okay. grinder, Frankie, tracking is a fluid concept. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like his gender. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, Frankie is an androgynous name. <laughs> oh, man. I know 
I only know one person named Frank, and he's like 85. So <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a dying breed. <laughs> <laughs> Along with all the Orvilles Frank, out there. <laughs> Y'all got anybody named Orville over there in Australia? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Not that I know. <laughs> no, mine, still... mine's co- my grinder's called Frankie because he's a Franken grinder. Yeah, he's a Frankenstein. Ah, okay. Very yeah, cool. Niels Vandenberg a... personally approved him. <laughs> Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Man, I'll have to make Niels my inspiration of the week for next week. <laughs> he's my inspiration oh, every week. He's awesome. Oh, he is. And, and absolutely batshit crazy, which is just the way I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's I love his, kind of his Instagram stories are just hilarious. I mean, <laughs> we all um, participated together in. He did that uh, 48-hour dagger challenge um, mm-hmm. earlier in the year, and uh, Sam and I both participated in it as well. And like Sam and I worked our asses off to do our best work in that challenge, and we just pushed and pushed and pushed and documented the whole thing. And then because of the time difference, we finished and then got to watch Neil's finish. And in the last 20 mm-hmm. minutes, he did more work than Sam and I did in the entire 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and, and we laughed, but it's true. He it's literally just... did. He's insane. It was incredible. He's just like doing this live on camera, just this incredibly inc- intricate, beautiful work. Yeah, he's, he's doing compound, he's doing compound curve yeah. hollow grinds up to a 1200 grit finish. Like, and, he, and while he's and doing it, he's, he's talking conversationally. He's like, he's like, yeah, this, this is just an average day on my, you know, da, 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 yeah. explaining how he's going about. And I'm like, oh my God, shut up and just pretend like you're working hard. And <laughs> as well. Bloody hell. The guy is uh, just made of talent. Uh, he really is. But yeah. that being said, Something... we, we have asked a question that uh, we normally ask our interviewees. Oh. And that is one that Nils, our old uh, compatriot, started way back when. And that is, what kind of anvil do you have? It's weight and make. Oh, fuck. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy one. Good answer. I'm pretty sure it's a Fisher, and I'm pretty sure it's between 80 to 120 pounds. Fair enough. All right. Little boy. It's got got crap edges, but I make it work. (laughs) (laughs) It's got one spot where it's about, you know, two square inches that has a decent edge on the on the corner. And uh, I use that for pretty much everything. <laughs> and actually, I would like to make note of that because, like you said, you said earlier that you should make most of your tools. I would encourage everyone who's listening to this to go to Zane's page, said JB Knives, and look at the knives he makes. And then go onto his YouTube channel and watch some of his videos and check out his setup. Because the quality of the knives that are coming out of your shop compared to the tooling that you are using, like, you know, people assume a certain level of tooling, as we were talking about earlier, they're completely incompatible. <laughs> you know, like, you're, you're I mean, turning out mirror-finished uh, cut-and-shoots <laughs> with, you know, machinist accuracy in a shop that you're using a, you know, Four by bloody, you know, four by sixty. Wood six sandal. by eighty nine. Yeah, it's six, six by eighty. <laughs> six by eighty nine. Yes, sir. Six by eighty nine. So, like, one of the weirdest sizes of belt sander, and it's a horror, and it's a horizontal belt sander as well. Yeah. It's not even a vertical one. The Just belts are the, forty bucks each. 
<laughs> oh man I, wow i can buy like six belts for the price of one <laughs> i know <laughs> but yeah. yeah so but with your setup you're producing some insanely high tier stuff um and it's just like that gives credence to everything that me and alex have said in previous episodes about making the most out of what you have uh, and that's why I was really excited to have you on the show is because you are exactly, you exemplify that in that you're creating stuff that most people looking at it would go, yeah, this guy's obviously on the track to being a journeyman. This guy's obviously on the track to, you know, becoming a, you know, well-known name in knife making. And yet you're working with stuff that a lot of people would consider entry level, you know, tooling. Yeah. It, Working with stuff that most people kind of, you know, get into knife making and that's the first <laughs> stuff they pick up off the side of the road, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. you know it, it's, it excites me to see that. Funny enough, I actually, uh, for about the first two years of forging, I would only ever use one pair of tongs and one hammer. That's all that <laughs> I had. And I was teaching this other guy, uh, funny enough, it was Alan, the guy who did my, uh, my YouTube videos. And uh, he wanted to learn how to forge a pair of tongs. So I was like, okay, we'll forge a pair of tongs. And he was just pissed off that I only had like, well, not pissed off, but he was just like, how do you work <laughs> with just these things? Like he was, so he actually bought me another pair of tongs and another hammer just because he was so fed up with me using the one tool. <laughs> but uh, so now I've got two tongs and two hammers. So that's cool. <laughs> oh, but, uh, we, might, we might have to talk about sending you a hammer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Man, I just, will vouch I, for him. Sam makes excellent hammers. You have, yeah, you, you, I'd be, you, I'd love to buy one or do a swap or anything. But uh, I do love uh, straight beans and cross beans. I find that those are just the most effective hammers for pretty much everything. And I actually grind one perfectly 90-degree square edge on my hammers. That yeah. way I can make really nice, um, what do you call them, uh, dips, I Set guess. Down. Set downs? Yeah. Yeah, step downs. So yeah. you can get really clean ones. If you get a, you know, two decent swings right in the same spot with that with a nice sharp edge, it looks, you know, like a grinder did it. So Yeah, that's why I have sharp edges on my anvil. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make up for that somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> I uh it's funny, I actually went to school for welding, but I don't really know or feel comfortable with welding my anvil back together just because I know you can't just use standard welding equipment. I'm can, pretty sure you can no, use pure you nickel. Can, you can get use hard face ro hard facing rods on an arc welder or a stick welder mm -hmm. you call yeah. it. A special type of rod and you just weld it like normal, then grind it back. You gotta yep. preheat that thing like a like a bitch, I would assume. Eh, about three fifty yeah. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you can do I will much. give that nothing a, a, nothing a blowtorch that, can't handle. Yeah, that's something I don't mind doing at all. I've just always been a little, little uh, apprehensive about the task, just because it seems like a lot. And I don't conversely, wanna, you know, mess you up my could, only tool that I have for it. <laughs> conversely, if you didn't want to do that, then you could go. Um, you could make yourself an edge block for your anvil, which is just a hardy tool, which is just a block of yep. steel. It can be mild steel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that becomes yeah. a secondary anvil face that has uh, mm -hmm. hard edges. Yeah. I've got a, a little pneumatic press that my boss made that I bought a while ago from him. And uh, it does have a somewhat 90 degree, somewhat <laughs> sharp uh, die on it. So I use that for a couple of things. Like uh, when it comes to making the shoulders for uh, mm -hmm. tangs, that's just 
it's easier just to use that to get a nice consistent um, squish right in the middle as opposed to having to flip it and, you know, be delicate with it. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, when it comes to blades, what are y'all's favorite styles? I would love to hear. <laughs> so I thought we were supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> I don't know. Does it really matter as long as people are entertained? <laughs> well, I have well, found I... A, a niche in my work, and that is uh, knives for hunters. Um, so sort of Nesmuk style skinners are a big one for me, deer hunters, and... Um, kind of just sort of general purpose hunters that try and do the best of everything um seems to be the the wheelhouse that i've fallen into with my work largely yeah and you do it well well thank you <laughs> um for me i i mean i really like my uh, harpoon point hunters um the the ones that have become my maker's mark uh yeah <laughs> Uh, mm. I, I based the my maker's mark around the uh, the harpoon point hunter, but uh, honestly, if I had to come down with to like a favorite knife, it would be a muso buoy, um, and that's just purely because muso buoys are amazing. <laughs> um, oh, we've lost you. We've lost your audio. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there he he is. I apologize. I don't know what happened with that. He just uh, he turned into Prince for a second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oopies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, I lost my train of thought where I was going with that. Oh, well. What but is your favorite cool. blade style? I'm definitely a big fan of drop points. I, mm. I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's just a really good utility knife, you know? You can mm. kind of use it for a, yeah. I mean, it's just, you use it for just about anything from opening boxes, skinning a deer, cleaning fish, whatever. So. Yeah, it's a very universal kind of, uh, kind of point. That's for sure. I agree. I agree. So you've been into knife making for six years, you said. Um, Well, maybe a little bit less than six years, probably like five now. (laughs) Well, you know, long enough, short enough, long enough, you know, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Forget it all. (laughs) <laughs> what originally got you into it? Uh, well, my dad wouldn't let me use his throwing knife, so I said, I'm going to make my own. Screw <laughs> you, dad. <laughs> so I used uh, a piece of like... With uh, blackjack and hookers. <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> I used a piece of uh, diamond plate and a uh, an angle grinder and just put a little bit of a bevel and a little bit of an edge and uh, just <laughs> threw it at a tree for hours. And I thought it looked gross, and I thought I could do better. I don't know why I thought I could do better, <laughs> why I even <laughs> cared. But uh, I just decided to make another one, and they got better progressively. My second right. one, I decided to do a karambit, surprisingly enough, <laughs> which was just a <laughs> terrible mistake all the way around. I almost oh, quit knife making on day two. <laughs> so it's like go from learning to play chopsticks to fly to the bumblebee. <laughs> Also, um, I never, since I was homeschooled, I mean, I don't want to sound like the typical homeschool kid, but I never really like watched YouTube that much or anything. So I didn't know anything about knife making except for what I was like learning myself. So I didn't really know that you needed like heat to forge. So I was (laughs) over here cold forging and getting cracks Mm. in my rebar from (laughs) all the stress. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was dumb. I didn't know how to heat treat for like the first 10 knives, but, uh, yeah, it was what it was. It was well, fun. I mean, you know, 
you've come a long way since then. Um, what's as, what's assisted you yeah. on your journey? Hmm? What's assisted you on your journey? Like, have you did you reach out to people or <laughs> discovering the internet? <laughs> YouTube has been like the 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 free college of how to make knives. I mean, you can get just about any information you need for anything on YouTube, and uh, also lots of knife makers along the way. I mean, when you when you're on Instagram for a while, you kind of start noticing who does what and who specializes in what, mm. and then if you need help with something like. Uh, I'm actually going to write to you, Sam, about engraving later because that's something I've been wanting to get into more. And I don't know how the fuck to make a graver. <laughs> I, well, you should watch uh, my video next week. <laughs> I was about to say, I literally, I played around trying like 150 different angles and different shapes of tips. And, you know, some of them work better than others, but for the most part, they just dove straight down into the steel. And I was never able to figure out, no matter what angle I held it, how to get a uh, more of a shallow cut as opposed to just complete gouging it. But, uh, uh. Yeah, the heels. My gravers are all Sam Town gravers. They're lovely. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I sent him some. Yeah, yeah. But you'll find you'll find people that that help you out along the way with specific things. I mean, I've talked to certain people about how to solder a guard to a knife. I've talked to people about how to, you know, get the best fit, how to, you know, fit up handles better. I mean, and you just learn little tips here and there. Like a tip I learned from Kurt Halland was uh, when you're making a, uh, a hidden tang knife. And you fit your block up, and you're about to drill your uh, your pinhole. What you can do is estimate, for the most part, where your pinhole is going to be on the tang. Drill an oversized hole and countersink it. Put a little or bit of a in. brass rod or copper, something softer, and then peen that over, grind it flat. And then when you go to drill your hole, you're not drilling through, you know, even mild steel. You're just going through copper, so you've got a much better mm. chance of having a straight hole, no drill bit snapping. So, little stuff like that will really help out along the way. Yeah, absolutely. It's those pro tips that really add up. (laughs) It only takes one time of like a 16th drill bit getting broken off inside of a hole before you just never Mm. want to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of drill bits I've had snap, mainly because I'm a cheap bastard and I I buy the cheapest (laughs) drill bits I can get a hold of. Yeah, yeah. You you get through them. Yeah, I I buy my 8th inch drill bits in bulk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. i actually I just every, had a 20 pack arrive yesterday i was very excited yeah. i think every knife maker has like the one size that they just stick with for me yeah, it's yeah. 364 so i've just found that 364 works for me mostly because my girlfriend's dad uh he gave me like 150 of them three years ago and he said <laughs> why would i ever buy drill bits again <laughs> why not so uh, well then you become buy. a knife maker and that's enough to last you a weekend <laughs> uh, yeah and then i get to the point where uh i think everybody does this where you you have plenty of something and you use it recklessly and then you've got very little of it left and you just regret everything <laughs> and you you remember all those times that you broke your drill bits in half just to use them as three sixteenths pins you know yep. you're like damn why'd i, why'd I do that <laughs> don't it idea. always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone <laughs> yeah I actually weird. find that with belts. It's um, it's always the case that, you know, you'll buy like a pack of 10 belts and you'll be oh. like, yes, I've got belts for days. And then it'll be, you'll run Three through days. the first, you'll run through <laughs> yes. the first nine in like a week. Mm-hmm. And then the last one will last you another week. <laughs> because yes. yeah, that that, last that belt 60 just... grit ends up being like a 400 then... grit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you turn a, I've you got turn belt- a, 
you know, turn a 36 grit belt into a strop, you know, <laughs> pretty much. And then after that, you're going through all your other belts, just hoping that some of them have enough life just to profile a knife. Yeah, that's <laughs> Please it. let this one just have five specks of sand so that I can make this curve. <laughs> just, just picking up dirt from outside and like rubbing yeah. it on the surface of the belt to try and roughen it up. That's the now one thing I have seen. Uh, I think it was Caleb Harris on uh, on Instagram. He goes by Blades of Belak, Belak right. with a Q on the end, as far as I remember. But yeah, I uh, he would buy. Uh, it's like a diamond tipped uh, resurfacing tool for your belts, and it mm-hmm. would basically refracture all of the crystals, and basically you get like a whole new belt out of it. So you can yeah, you do that same trick with carbide to do that. Yeah, you can use a, a plate of tungsten carbide to do that. I actually got that trick from uh, the guys at uh, Combat Abrasives. They did a video, a how-to video on <laughs> refractory. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very Alex cool. has actually got a, currently got a plate of tungsten carbide on, on, on its way to him. So. Oh, well, that's pretty <laughs> good thing, <laughs> Yes, you do. I don't know, do you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sam sent me things from time to time. I'm lucky <laughs> like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a little, little plate of tungsten carbide in there for you. Very Lovely. Cool. You make my Cubitrons last longer. I'm I'm a I'm a massive Cubitron whore. I just love Cubitrons. What is yeah. a Cubitron? It's a the 3M, 3M ceramic belt. Yeah. <laughs> for a 2x72. I mean, the best, the best there is. They're never used anything better. They're just incredible. Mm. I don't know what I mean, to think anymore, man. I've had like 15 different people swear by certain belt brands and other people <laughs> shit all over those same belt brands. And I'm just like, I guess I'm just going to have to try them all myself. Well, and, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of that's kind of where we were. And then we tried Cubitrons <laughs> and Sam and I well, both I mean, converted. I'm still not, uh, you know, I'm still not, the, the jury's still not out. I've heard some good things about the new Reaper belts from Klingspore. I'd be interested to try them out at some point to see how they compare. Um, but you know, to this stage, I've tried most of the major brands and, you know, yep. Cubitrons have been the ones that I wanted yep. to stick with. But I mean, again, it comes down to personal experience. You might find I, that, you know, you, you find better yourself. Norton Norton. Blaze. Norton yep. Blaze do a good job. Their belts are pretty good, but still I prefer Cubitrons. They just yeah. last for so long. Yeah. I think, I think the thing that sells me on them is the surface finish. Um, they, they just so much more consistent. Mm. So that that's the thing that really it's an, it's an engineered yeah. placement of the abrasive, so it's not just a random pattern. You get much neater stra- uh, scratch lines from them. Yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to getting the two by two or the two by seventy two set up so that I can actually experiment with belt finishes because I've never done a belt finish on a knife before because. <laughs> Grinder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that thing is a single speed, and I like to tell people it's set on really fucking fast. So, <laughs> hey, it could be worse. It could be set on really slow. I spent the first like oh. three years of my life using a yeah. half coat Woodmaster that ran at about like eight hundred surface feet per minute, which is mm. you know about speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the I other- think an. Ad- <laughs> The only belts you could buy for it were like um, Alox belts, you know, really cheap Alox belts. <laughs> they just wore out yeah. on steel fast. Yeah. I always like There's to not... joke if they ever make a documentary about knife makers, I'll have to call it 80 grit thumbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Or burnt tips. Yeah. yeah that's it. Good one. <laughs> I don't know. A little bit of a double entendre there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> call it involuntary manicure. 
I mean, it's not even a manicure. It's just a, it's just a massacre at this point. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yes. you can see just about on every fingernail, I've yep. got like a, a circle shape cut out from where I just uh-huh. barely touched it to the grinder. And also on uh, this finger right here, I know you can't see it too well, but there's like yep. eight individual cuts all to the bone <laughs> where yep. I accidentally set my finger on top of the grinder and yep. just moved uh-huh. it like this by accident. And it would just like, yomp, 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 yomp. <laughs> Just completely annihilated it. So, I shredded the tops one. of two fingers because I was I was uh, had a surface played out and I was hand sanding a uh, smooth brass guard, um, but it's a one mil plate, and I know I could have super glued a bit of wood onto it or something like that, but I yeah. didn't trust that I wouldn't rock it as I was mm-hmm. um, hand sanding it. So I just had my fingertips pushed against it, and I was going. And my fingers were so sore from doing this for ages and ages and ages polishing this up that I didn't realize mm-hmm. I was actually just 400 grit sandpaper just ripping apart the tips of my fingers and i took (laughs) off the skin so gradually and slowly that i didn't realize that they were red raw and it was just awful so one of one of my uh the the middle finger on my right hand uh the half of the nail is actually just super glue because (laughs) i i hit i hit the fingernail to the uh a a full speed moving um 60 grit belt which my belt grinder is one of the fastest belt grinders on the market at the moment and um, it took it down to just before the quick. So it didn't quite hit the meat of the fingernail. It just cut the entire nail away. And so I was kind of like, how do I fix this? I know, I'll just replace it with superglue. Uh, so I just, I fashioned myself a new nail out of superglue and like filed it Man. back so that it kind of looks like a normal you nail. Sh- you should have done it out of su- something cool like copper. Like you should have just like superglued like a copper fingernail on there. <laughs> do like, Dude, do what, just what if that's the new thing? That could be a pretty good brand idea. To make nail like, jewelry. Yeah, well, like copper, copper, well, you know, brass. Girls get to do their nails. We could, yeah. we could have our own thing. You know, get like, some brass, get some mokume, get some mokume garnet. No, no, you know the trick. That'd be sick. For knife, for knife makers, it should be titanium because it's super wear resistant. Oh, so we should do... make mo- We should all make. We should all make matching mokume cock rings. What do you guys think? <laughs> I'm down. I'm not sure there are enough pennies and nickels and dimes in America, to be honest. I, I, I think uh, I'd only agree if mine's a Prince Albert, you know. <laughs> Tungsten carbide or nothing at all. Uh, yeah. How are you, you going to get that, that off? You do know wearing You do know that wearing Mokume turns things green, right? <laughs> no. You well, not meant to be green. That. <laughs> How weird would on it that be if we peed yellow oh. instead of red? <laughs> <laughs> on that lovely oh. note, we we do need to wrap the show up because we've been going for quite oh, a while. And it's I was about to much say, longer my parents are, we're we're trying to go to the uh, my grandparents' house this afternoon. So are they give, they giving you the time, signal? Off the side. Yeah, my, dad, my dad's standing over there in the door, just like. <laughs> all right well throw out where people can find you where you would like people to go looking for you all right well here's the list everybody we've got zjb underscore knives on instagram and facebook and then just zjb knives on youtube so yeah thank you very much for having me on here i really appreciate it and it's been a blast yeah, it's absolutely been great. 
And um, thank you for everybody who has written in. If you would like to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram under the Forgecast, or you can email us at ask.forgecast at gmail.com. If you're looking for Sam, you can find him where? You can find me at Samtowns Bladesmith on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Etsy, Redbubble, all over the place, including the kitchen sink. Where can they find you, Alex? I go by Valhalla Ironworks, and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Etsy, Redbubble, Patreon, and now Twitch. I'm starting a Twitch channel. The account's <laughs> set up, but I haven't done a stream yet. It's it's com- coming soon, probably, probably another, next week. Another T, another T word channel that I'll probably yeah. never been on. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be sure to watch thanks. it on Twitch. Yeah, absolutely. You can subscribe to the channel already, and the, the first stream will probably be coming out um, a day after this episode goes live, so that should be very exciting. Um, thanks very much, Zane, for coming onto the show and giving us your time. It's been an absolute delight. Yeah, no, it was great, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you all next week. All right, see you all later. See you guys. Have a good one. <laughs>